We're back on Thoughts from the Shade. Episode 84, we'll recap Bomb's wedding. We've got Flower Hour, Bones to Pick of the Week, and Players Championship Picks. Let's go. Welcome back to TFTS Thoughts in the Shade. It's episode 84 presented by our great friends at Menard Premium Detailing, uh, the best auto detail service in the Bucks County area. Uh, Catch them at MenardPremiumDetailing.com on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Check them out. Um, Yeah, before we get into it, uh, obviously we missed last week uh, due to uh, me canceling uh, the session, uh, contrary to popular belief, uh, with our boy Bomb tying the knot this this past weekend. Uh, I had some travel. I was tired, and we, we don't want to come on here and not give the people 110%. That's what, what you deserve. We appreciate everybody listening. Uh, so we're back. We're, we're rejuvenated. Uh, we're about, I want to say, 72 hours removed from a great celebrate, celebration uh, for our boy Bomb and his bride. So let's bring him in with a round of applause. Congratulations, Bomb and Mrs. Bomb. Yo. Yo. What's going on, G? Appreciate it, brother. Yeah, yeah, of course. Nah, nothing nothing going on, man. We we had the wedding Saturday. Great day. I mean, I'll, I'll let you get into it. And then uh, I got to give a quick shout out to, to my future sister-in-law. Although she, you know, we had to celebrate her birthday on Sunday w- w- with a dinner. Uh, and I, I was hurting from the festivities. But uh, she sent me home with some, some leftover stocks, pound cake. And I'm not a big dessert guy. But... Whenever Stocks Pound Cake is available for dessert, I'm all over it. I'm taking some home. That stuff is electric. It's special. It, I mean, the icing will, will, will burn a, a freaking hole right in your teeth, but it's it's so good. So so shout out to her for sharing her uh, her leftover birthday cake with me. Just enjoyed a little bit of that before we got on the pod tonight. Well, gee, I, I hate to break it to you because this, this might either break the wallet or... Uh... You know, caused some issues with your teeth there with that icing. But have you have you had have you been over here in the Chalfont area and had Pepino's tomato pies? No, Pepino's. Where's that at? Newer joint, dude. They make a great a great tomato pie. It's it's right off Butler, right near the uh, near the TD Bank. Go down past the CVS on the left. It'll be up on your right. Turn in there. Uh, first of all, they make a great tomato pie like a, almost like a warm tomato pie like a grandma pie sauce on the top cheese on the bottom but they sell stocks pound cakes in there man i gotta tell you it's been killer yeah that, that dude that shit is special uh and and i'm not like uh, akin to to the stocks pound cake you know distribution so i didn't know if it was a one and done shop down there in philly uh, I don't know exactly where it is. I don't know if I want to call it Northeast or Port Richmond. You know, the, the Philly people will kill us, man. We're we're suburbs, guys. You can't say you're from Philly. You're, <laughs> you're, you're from an hour away. You can't say you're from Philly. So I'll, I'll I'll leave it to those people. But they do distribute, so so that's good to know. I don't have to 
go into the wild, wild west to pick up some cake uh, the next time I got the sweet tooth. Absolutely. But yeah, man, congrats. Uh, anything you want to share with the people? Um, I, I know this isn't a, this isn't a wedding podcast by any means, but I feel like our audience, you know, some of our audience is going through it. Some of our audience is, is going through it uh, right now, the planning process, like myself. Uh, some folks will get there one day, but like anything surprise you or stand out from the big day? Any any unexpected occurrences on the big day Saturday? Not really. I think everything pretty much went to uh, went to plan. I mean, obviously, there's like little tiny things that, you know, are incorrect or mistakes or don't occur, but everything went pretty smoothly. Um, you know, just try to enjoy the day, et cetera. But uh, I do have a piece of advice maybe for, for UG and for other guys that are, that are getting, uh, getting married and, and, and tapping the shoulder of a, of a groomsman. And look, I, you know, I'm not here to take credit. I'm not here to say I do everything the right way. Everyone, you know, has their own preferences and tastes, et cetera. Um, but I will say I got a lot of compliments on this, G. So, as you know, the fellas, we took the golf trip in the fall for the bomb batch. The bombs, bogey batch, as you called it. A lot of bogeys, a lot of doubles, a lot of triples. <laughs> um, we went down to Caledonian True Blue. And uh, your boy Bomb dialed up the... Uh, some watercolors of those uh, of those particular courses got them custom framed at michael's you don't want to know what that cost uh got the fellas all a mug you know with with the uh the ducks which are the markers at, at caledonia with the different yardages sleeve of balls with an inside joke uh you know with one of the fellas there um so i just think uh you know a lot of the guys commented. They said, you know, how many bourbon glasses can you get? How many flasks can you get? You know, at least now, when I hang this up in my office, I'll think back to, you know, the good days when you're on a bachelor party playing golf. Mike Strantz is beautiful courses. So, again, not saying everyone does it right, indifferent, blah, blah, blah. But I think, you know, if you're going to if you're gonna have guys go out there and spend cash and Go on these trips and uh, and and you know have to get popped for the freaking tux, you know. Buy the guy something more than like a, you know a little custom bourbon glass that says like your name and groomsman. Like what the hell is that guy gonna do with that? I hear you, dude. Bomb, bomb spin on the, uh, the the groomsman gift. That's that's a good one. Um, yeah, I, I'm obviously starting to to think about some of that stuff, and and I'm not I'm not a great gift giver when it comes to family ordeals. I leave it to uh, to my girl; she takes care of that stuff, and and you know that's that's why we love love our ladies. But uh, yeah, I, I'm open to ideas. I'm open to suggestions. So so hit us uh, hit us in the DMs, the Instagram at Thoughts from the Shade, Twitter at TFTS Pod. But yeah, that's a that's a that's a good work out of you. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what the hell I'm gonna do. Maybe maybe spot the talks. Who, who the hell knows? Uh, I've heard that's it's an idea that I kind of liked, especially for a guy like me that is very uh, not creative. But I will say, uh, I wanted to point out something that did go down on, on Saturday uh, that that stood out to me compared to some of the other weddings I've been to, uh, and I've been in a number of weddings for for some of my friends uh, over the past few years. And a lot of church weddings, and you know, I, I rolled up to your wedding with with uh, with my parents and my girl, uh, your 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 aunt and uncle, and and uh, future. Can we call it a cousin in law? I don't know, but 
Anyway, we're up against it, right? Mom's bebopping down the road, doing the speed limit. My dad's trying to navigate on the phone in the passenger seat, and we're missing turns. So we're we're up against it for the the one thirty start. And I'm like, oh man, like we're gonna be those people that get in there, and, and the wedding planner is gonna be there, and the groomsmen are gonna be there, and you, you guys gotta go sit here, you know, bomb side is this side, get down, get down. Uh, but no, we walked right in at one thirty. Suppose it's start time, and uh, you know there was no congregation at, at, in the back of the church at, at, at the front door, and you get you get that a lot in these these church weddings. Like everybody walks in, you know, five minutes, two minutes before the bride is ready to walk down the aisle, and and you even get these people that have the audacity to ask, "Where's the bathroom? Where's the bathroom? You're in a church. You're in a church. You knew you were coming to a wedding." And it starts in two minutes, and you want to walk down to the depths of a holy building to you know to hose or or, or take a leak or do what you got to do. Um, but like I, I just I feel that pain of like, and, and it didn't happen Saturday, but the pain of being the groomsman. You know, you showed up for rehearsal, you showed up for rehearsal dinner, you kept your boy, you know, loose the morning of. You did all your duties. They're not much. You're not important if you're in the wedding. It's all about the bride and somewhat about the groom, but you know, you, you get, when you get the congregation two minutes before the wedding at the top of the church, then the wedding planner comes in out of nowhere. She doesn't know your name. She doesn't care what the hell you've done. You know who you are. Get these people seated. Get these people seated. Come on. We got to get, we, we got to start all time. We got to get these people seated. It's like, I, I don't, I don't know, know most of these people and, I don't want to be the one that's like, Hey, you got to sit down, but I guess, I guess that's part of the duty, but you did a nice job because you didn't have that issue. Um, you know, like I said, we rolled in right at the start time. I was a little, little afraid, you know, we might see the bride too soon or something, but we got seated. There was, there was a little time, a little buffer built in if I, if I understand correctly. Uh, so, so none of that took place. Cause that's one of my it's one of my pet peeves about, you know, the, the wedding or, or being in the wedding or being a groomsman. Uh, that's, that's stuck out to me over the years. I couldn't agree more. And it's, and I, I do think like coming out of COVID, maybe it's because we're, 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 you know, we're working in sweatpants with a polo on top, you know, three days a week or five days a week from home. But I find myself running late or running just barely on time to things. So, yeah, your your boy Bomb sold in the idea to to the old lady, and I said, "Look, let's put a Fugazi start time on the invite. We're gonna put one thirty, but we're gonna tell the priest and everybody else one forty five. So I think it gives you a little bit of a buffer. Uh, it gives everybody a chance to kind of uh, you know get locked in, get settled in, and um, you know at the end of the day, a lot of these a lot of these uh, brides are late anyway. But if you if you hold them to the one thirty standard and then just start." Everything fifteen minutes later—that—that's the way to do it. Hey, you! Uh, I feel like talking to you d- down the stretch run here. You know, she's taking care of it. She's taking care of this. She's doing that. You got to give yourself a little bit of credit here for for your inputs. I'm sure there weren't many, but it sounds like the ones where you did have input were valuable. Um, so I, I, you know, I don't want to belabor belabor the wedding talk i'm sure it was a long day uh for you and and the wife the now wife on saturday uh, and you're ready to kind of just kick back and relax and enjoy the the married life so i mean any any last thoughts or, or words to the wise for the audience 
Uh, you know, I'm not an expert. I've, I've been in this for th- what three days now as a uh, as a, uh, <laughs> a, a a married bomb. But I got to tell you, G, and and I mean no disrespect to anyone who's done this. I'm not sure how people go directly on the honeymoon. So I I took I did not take off on Monday. I was off Thursday, Friday, had the wedding Saturday, worked Monday. And even just with two days off, coming back felt like a kick in the balls. I mean, could you imagine just getting on a plane, hungover shit, rolling that into a honeymoon for what, seven days, nine days, whatever the hell it is, and then coming back from work and just being like, well, I guess I'm going to just continue to grind away and put a little money into my 401k for the next 30 years and save cash for my soon-to-be kids, like... I, I think having a little bit of a break, like a natural break between the two events, gives you a little bit of an opportunity to kind of catch your breath. You got you got still got the vacation slash honeymoon to look forward to, and you you just don't feel like you know you you, you just have to settle in and, and continue to contribute to your four hundred one k until you freaking croak. Yeah, I hear that. Like it is it is nice to do it that way it sounds like because you you had the wedding to look forward to and then you kind of have the the crash uh from being done with the wedding and then now you, you you still have something to look forward to in the future trip vacation uh but some people are are just built different man they want to they want to go through the the hurrah you know the party and then they want they want to get right to the the relaxation so i don't know how the hell you didn't take any time off this week um, you know, you're maximizing shareholder value. I understand, uh, you know, the company appreciates it, but like I wasn't in the wedding. I showed up at one thirty on Saturday, stayed the night and, uh, I, I wasn't right until, until maybe, you know, the afternoon yesterday, Monday. So, uh, more power to you and more, more power to those people that just jump right on the plane and fly across the world. I mean, I'm sure it feels good once you get there, but like, holy hell, um, you know, some people are wired different than us. So like you said, there's more than one way to skin a cat for the wedding, for the honeymoon, whatever. Um, but glad that you guys have, have another, another little event to look forward to here. But uh, with that, we'll move along and don't forget where you're ever listening, wherever you're listening, Spotify, Apple podcasts, leave us that five star view. We certainly appreciate it. Uh, we're going to get right to it this week, folks. Flower Hour, we debuted it on episode 83. Got some great feedback. We're going to keep it going uh, as we progress into the off season, uh, and just kind of keeping it keeping it loose and, and going left, going right, going all over the place uh, on this thing here. But Flower Hour, Bomb, what do you got this week? Who are you giving flowers to? What are you giving their flowers to? Yeah, I got, I got to give uh, give my flowers this week to uh, to Major League Baseball. Um. I know we weren't here last week, you know, to talk about it. We did the autopsy of the Super Bowl, et cetera, all that. But uh, th- this whole new uh, this new pitch clock thing, you know, have you and I talked about this, G, the whole pitch clock? Not yet, no. It is unbelievable. Um, like the whole the whole concept, I think, is is baseball the way it's supposed to be played, and and. You know, my, my mindset on this has flipped quite a bit because baseball is the only sport in which the other team can't run out the clock, right? And that was the whole draw to it. You you really have to – you got to get 27 outs in order to put the other team away and uh, scratch, scratch a run across. But over the last 
10, 15 years. This game has gotten to such a pace with these guys. And, you know, I, I love Harper. He's guilty of it with that little dance, grabbing his dick, the little dance that he does. Just getting the box and fucking hit. Like, do we have to see that? Do we have to see it? You know, the pitcher milling around the mound and, you know, drawing his initials behind behind the rubber and, you know, all the hitters doing their thing. And, and I think back to my college days when, when we were at the Psy and just how miserable it was getting drubbed by some of these teams. And when uh, when I caught my junior and senior year, I demanded the pitchers that the minute they let go of the ball, they need to be prepared to receive it back because I am catching it, framing it, and immediately returning it to you. And then you catch it, immediately look in for the signal, let's get on the fucking rubber, and let's go. Like, I don't want to sit here in post-Connecticut playing post-university uh, against these guys that look like fucking lumberjacks in 22-degree weather any more than anybody else. So rather than playing a three-hour game, let's play a two-hour game. I mean, I think that's reasonable. So the odd thing that occurred when we started doing this in college, G, is that our defense played better. We had we had more timely hitting. Like, there was more of a, a, like a speed to the game. Like, like, let's just play our game rather than think and talk and, you know, position it it's a more natural athletic sport when you when you speed it up obviously you can't play it at, at 100% you know 100% speed like catch and immediately throw but i think these new rules are going to be a real boon to the game i think it's going to be a more exciting thing to watch like we're not going to have to hear tubby well maybe we will i you know, we'll have to see early on in the season tom mccarthy is he going to still be you know filling dead air with cheesesteaks and uh, uh, you know, uh, the fanatic coming in with the popcorn. Hopefully not. This pitch cock might have just solved that. So I don't know. Obviously, it's early. Obviously, guys are going to it's going to take time to adjust. But for me, this is this is this is actual baseball. Like, let, let's get on the rubber and fucking throw. And uh, and I think it's going to force pitchers to 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 uh, be a little more selective in terms of when they when they try to gas guys up. I also don't think hitters are going to be able to just swing from their heels every single swing because you're not going to have a minute between each pitch. You're not going to have 40 seconds between each pitch. Think about golf. You get up there on, and swing driver, and you know it might be another minute before you swing the club. Well, if you, had to, if you had to swing out of your shoes with a driver and then 10 seconds later stand back over the ball and do it again, it'd be kind of tough to do. So I think there's a lot of minor things associated with this pitch clock that is going to help the game and change it into more of a watchable product. It's an interesting take. You know, people are all on both sides of the argument right now. It's 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 new. It's a change, right? Change always drums up drama and whatnot. But I think, like, the average length of the games with this pitch clock is down to, like, two hours and 38 minutes, which is comparable to an NHL game, an NBA game. I would say the NFL runs a little bit longer, but NFL is king, so, like, you can't compare it to that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to keep it moving. I think it's going to be, like you said, more watchable. Um, you know, you might, you'll, you'll probably get more excitement. There's, there's less thinking that's going on. You, you made a comparison to golf. I'd make another comparison to golf. Like some instructors out there say like, just get up there and and hit it. Right. Like the longer you stand over the ball, the worse, the worse it's going to go. Like, even though you get that minute after you hit drive to, to drive or walk to your ball, like pick the club, go up and hit it. Don't, don't pick the club. Then, you know, toss a chunk of grass and then go back to the bag and switch. You know, that never ends well. Um, so, so we might just see 
some more guys locked in, making plays, making big hits, big pitches, um, and ultimately just shortening the game so that when it's 162 games. Like, it's a grind to watch baseball night in and night out. I think this makes it a little bit easier on the fans, so you can't hate it. And the, the last thing I'll say about this is it didn't sound like Harper was too pleased about it. Obviously, he talked about his uh, his routine, but I, I heard Max Scherzer talking about it, and he's he's already you know talking about it like it's the NFL play clock. And he's like, well, when it gets to zero, you know, we need to know if it's going to be like a hard zero or a soft zero. <laughs> like that's one of the worst things the NFL's ever done. You know, because how many games do you watch and you see it hit zero and then you give another one Mississippi in your head and that ball is just being snapped? That's what it's going to come to in baseball now. So, like, that part is probably coming and it's probably going to be a pain in the ass like it is in the NFL. Uh, But, like, somebody's got to come out and just shut Scherzer down on that. Like, nah, it's a hard zero. That's what we're rolling with. We're not doing the the zero and the next tick or whatever they call it in the NFL. Uh you know that that's a bad precedent to be set, and and I don't want to see that. But I didn't hear that. I agree Gee, with but you. he's like he's like a guy that tries to gamify everything, like try to like use rules to his advantage, and when he's going to catch the ball from the catcher, and this, that, and the other. Why don't they just put a shot clock in? You know, if you didn't start your delivery before the horn begins, it's it's a it's a it's a ball. Yeah, I, I like that too. Yeah, they, there's there's certainly things they can install to combat that 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 idea um but no i like it i'll go uh i gotta go i want to go in the spirit of of conference tournament week uh selection sunday coming up here i want to go with the penn state nittany Lions basketball team but i can't do it just yet uh late last week they were joe lenardi's joey brackett's last team in they were down by double digits at home uh, in the regular season finale in the second half to Maryland, 21st rank in the country. They were down to them. They come back. They win at the buzzer. And now they're like next four in or they're not in that last four in. They're a tier up from that for, for Joey Brackets. They play Illinois uh, in the Big Ten tournament Thursday evening, I believe. Uh, Penn State's the 10 seed. I think they finished season 19 and 12, 10 and 10 in the Big Ten. Not a bad year. Uh, there there were times where it was tough to watch, times where they, they played well, and they got some shooters. But they need to win that game Thursday for me to be giving out the flowers and really count them in because, you know, a lot can happen. A lot of games being played this week in college basketball. So we're not going to go there yet, uh, but we, we'll keep an eye on the Nets on Thursday night. But I got to give the flowers this week, and I was – Ready to give them last week if we got on here, but I'm sticking with it. I got to give the flowers to myself. Um, and, and I don't think I shared this story with you. You know, we had Sim League last Thursday, and then, you know, you're, you're doing your wedding duties over the weekend, so not, not, a lot, not a lot of time to chit-chat. But I figured this would be good for the pot. You know, people, people t- tell me uh, I've never had a dog in my life. They tell me I'm anti-dog. Like, you know, if you, if you don't pitch a complete tent when, when somebody's dog runs around, like, you, you must not be a dog person. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I, I, I had to go on mute. I, I had to go on mute and cough there. Um, but, you know, I, I've been told I'm anti-dog. You know, pe- people, some of my boys, uh, he's not really a dog guy. He doesn't like dogs, this and that. And that, 
that's a whole other story. All right. Like I, I like, I like everybody else's dogs. I just don't want my own. All right. So, so whatever. Anyway, I've given myself flowers here because last week I had a doctor's appointment, local doctor's appointment, eight, eight o'clock in the morning, just starting my day, just the way I want to headed to the doctor, get something taken care of. So I survive, I get out and uh, I'm on my way home. Not, not a long drive, you know, local roads, two lane roads, and I'm coming down a hill on like a 35 mile an hour road. And to my right is like a patch of grass that's maybe like 50 yards, you know, wide or, or deep before it hits the back of like the houses that are on the road. And uh, I'm, I'm coming down the road. I'm, I'm doing, uh, I'm being responsible, no text and drive. I do my best I can with that. And uh, luckily that morning the, the phone was away and uh, I, I see a, a girl and a dog you know, walking in the, in the grass out there. Dog's not on the leash, but I'm, I'm not thinking anything of it. They're pretty far from the road. And before you know it, this dog just turns on the jets, the Trey Turner jets and does a beeline for the road. So I have to slam on my brakes and, and and my car, you know, they, they, they shake or, you know, when you slam on your brakes and you got to come to an immediate stop, like the feedback you get from the car, the brakes, like the do, do, do. And I get that. And I see this fucking dog go under my front bumper. Like from where, so from, from my vantage point driving the car, this dog disappears. And like. Under the Corolla? Split, under the Roller, man. Oh there ain't a lot of room God. under there. This was. Dude, it was a miracle. But for a split second, I'm thinking like, oh my God, I just drilled this dog. I'm like, I'm like, oh no. But lo and behold, I, I didn't, I didn't hit the dog and you know, he was, this, this guy was moving. Um, like I said, I just thought they were just pl- playing in the grass and then he, he turned the jets on as I'm coming down the road, slam on it. He disappears. Didn't feel a thing, you know, with the wheels I've hit squirrels before and, uh, no, didn't feel it. So I just stopped cause I'm like in shock, right? Like, me, anti-dog. Oh, my God. He he felt sympathy for a dog. Could you believe it? And I roll down the window, and then this woman is like, oh, my God, like, I'm sorry. Like, the leash broke. I've been chasing him for 20 minutes. And, and this lady, you know, she doesn't – she's not huffing and puffing. She's speaking clearly. You know, she, she clearly – I didn't see her chasing after the dog, right? I would have slowed down. In advance, anybody that knows me, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a speedster. I, I've been called a slow driver. Uh, I, I'll take it on the chin, but I'm a pretty safe driver. Got a good driving record. So if I saw this lady chasing this dog, I would slow down. But she wasn't chasing him. She tells me, "Oh, I've been chasing him for 20 minutes, and the leash broke." So I'm like, "All right, well, I'm sorry. Like, you know, glad I didn't hit Sparky." And then I, I go to, I go to get going again, just get, get on my way. Um, and he's like a hundred yards down the hill. So, you know, maybe the dog people would say I should have got out and helped, you know, should, should have helped secure Sparky and get him back on the leash and get him home. Uh, but, but I'm giving myself the flowers for saving a dog's life. Uh, that was, that was out running wild, uh, in Bucks County PA here. Wait, 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 wait. hang on. You you saved the dog's life. The dog probably got run over by a tractor trailer because you didn't give its poor owner a ride. 
a hundred yards down the road. See, that's what I'm saying, man. You didn't you didn't help track the dog down? Like G ain't nah, that guy. No. I look, I mean, would have felt awful if I hit it. And but like I think I got it. People got to take a step back on me now. Like, all right, he's he's not totally anti-dog. If he was really anti-dog, he would he would have let a little bit of force off that break. I I jammed it, man. We didn't hit him. So, but I I, I was shook up for for like an hour that morning. It's uh, how big was the I, dog? I don't think, see, like that's what people ask me. What kind of dog was it? I don't know. Like, I'm not, you know, I know what a, a lab looks like or a retriever or like a Great Dane, like, you know, the dogs that I grew up around in the neighborhood or friends had or whatever, but it, it was, it was not a big dog, but it wasn't like a, like a hot dog either. It was somewhere in between like that, I would say. I don't, I'm not even going to try to throw out breeds or names or anything. Like I'm, I'm far from a, a vet or an expert on the dogs. That is, but. I don't know how this stuff happens to you, but I just eat it up every time. Yeah, yeah, I, th- I thought you would like that one. That's what. That's why I wanted to share it. But yeah, the 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 leash broke, and I've been chasing him. Well, you're you don't look too distraught until I almost you know squashed him. But anyway, that's uh, that's that's gonna do it for for this week's flower hour. Um, we gotta go. We we gotta go to 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 bones to pick uh, this week. And uh, don't forget to share this podcast. If anyone that you think might like it, share it. Tell them to follow the socials, follow on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Pods, uh, and to tune into some Bones to Pick of the Week. Take us away, Bomb. All right, going to give you a little bit of a different flavor this week, and I think you're, I think people are going to be surprised at to uh, uh, where I land on the side of this controversy. I guess you could say my bone to pick of the week is with the Baltimore Ravens. Um, what they're doing to Lamar Jackson, I think, is absolutely criminal. Um, the owner Steve Biscotti did did he did he not? pay Joe Flacco like over a hundred million dollars after, you know, granted won a Super Bowl, give him that, but caught lightning in a bottle. I mean, he was basically the Ravens version of Foles. That's, that's what, that's what, you know, the non Folesians would say. And, and here you got Lamar Jackson, who's the youngest MVP in league history at 23. Uh, more than anybody, he's got more 300 yard passing games coupled with 100 yard rushing games. I think he's got like four or five. He's got one of the highest winning percentages for a starting quarterback in NFL history, well over 700. And I guess the knock on him is that, you know, he hasn't really been healthy the last couple years. What the fuck has Baltimore done to, like, give that guy a line and or weapons? I mean, I'm sorry, the Gus bus in the backfield and every other, you know, half-assed running back that they're able to get from Ohio State just isn't it. So... I'm just a little bit confused as to why they're not sitting there and giving this guy a contract. And then you look at the the comments of the ownership. And he he's adamant that he refuses to give guaranteed contracts out. And he said when the Browns ended up doing it for Watson, he was the owner that came out and said, "Oh, I don't know if guaranteed contracts are should be a thing. I don't think they should be a thing and definitely not for this guy." So, he's drawing a hard line in the sand here with this franchise tag. 
But I, you know, frankly, I'm with Lamar here. I mean, that team stunk when he came in as as a uh, rookie or, or second-year player. And uh, I, I get there haven't been a ton of huge playoff runs with him. But, I mean, how are you not building a team around this guy? How, how are you not drafting, you know, linemen and, and, uh, and, uh, and, and receivers? It, it just seems to me they have done the exact opposite. It would be like if the Eagles surrounded Hurts with nothing – and then they're like, "Oh yeah, like he's he hasn't let us like pay, you know pass the first or second round, so we're we're not going to pay him." So I just think the guy's a talented player, and I, and I like to watch him play, and I would like to watch him play even more if he was if he had some weapons at his disposal. So yeah, I, I'm I'm going to give the bone to the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, I think they slapped the the non exclusive franchise tag on him earlier today, so. And I don't, I don't have it in front of me, but I'm going to give it my best go. Uh, I guess if if he doesn't negotiate with other teams or doesn't land with like another team, he'll get paid like 33 mil next year. Um, and then the Ravens would have an opportunity to match any offers that another team would make to Lamar. Um, and if they did or if they didn't, the team trying to sign him would have to give two firsts for him um exactly yeah i did my best my best shafty there yeah i mean it's going to be interesting to see what happens um obviously daniel jones signs the four-year 160 million dollar contract today so that puts him at at 40 a, a clip right uh obviously you would think lamar jackson is is worth more than danny dimes uh so big things to come in the qb market obviously the eagles are Looking to ink up Jalen Hurts long term. Uh, he's going to be due some large sums of cash uh, after this. But yeah, it'll it'll be really interesting to see you know what the what the market says about Lamar. And I guess the Ravens are willing to to take that risk and, and see what happens. But you're right they they never really surrounded him with much. I mean they've had solid defenses, but never any any great playmakers at receiver. Never really any great backs. I mean, the only guy really is Mark Andrews, and he's kind of like faded off uh, this past year. So I agree. I, I like Lamar, and I, I wouldn't be upset to see him go somewhere else and totally kill it and, and stick it to the Ravens. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens uh, with the grade eight uh, out of Baltimore. But I'm going to change gears. Uh, we are Philly-based podcast, you know, we kill the Sixers on this podcast. We 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 follow the birds intently. Uh, the Phillies are coming. We we covered that run, and and I think uh, I think we got a good year coming with the Phils as well. But we haven't talked about the Philadelphia Flyers in quite some time. And you know, maybe, maybe I'm psychotic. Uh, I'm a glutton for punishment. Like I, I still follow this team if I'm not doing anything at night now with football being over. I'll tune into a Flyers game, but. Uh, I mean, what what's transpired in the last week or so has been like an utter disgrace. I mean, you have a game last week, Tuesday, Wednesday night. First of all, I went to watch that game, and it was blacked out on Xfinity. Xfinity Cable. The game is nationally televised on TNT, and on Xfinity Cable, it was blacked out. So I don't know what that's about, if that's a failure on the NHL, Xfinity, probably all of the above. But that's a disgrace. They end up losing in overtime to the Rangers, and the video goes viral 
of like the entire Wells Fargo Center just going absolutely nuts when the Rangers win the game because it's packed with Ranger fans. Like, never seen anything like it. Even through all these middling years and, and tough years and everything. Just a total disgrace down there. And then you, you get to Friday. Friday's the big trade deadline. And before Friday, you have John Tortorella, the head coach, uh, general manager and president of hockey operations, Chuck Fletcher. They addressed the media. Uh, Fletcher called last year, you know, they were going to pursue an aggressive retool and try to stay competitive. Well, last week, folks, he finally said, we need to get younger. We need to garner some assets. So what do you think he does come the trade deadline? He trades two fourth-line players that weren't homegrown. They were claimed on waivers to to fill fill a spot on the fourth line and recoups a bum uh, and a fifth and a sixth-round pick. And meanwhile, he's he's got a decent asset, uh, not a great asset, but a guy in James Van Riemsdyk who scored 30 goals before, and he scored 20 goals a lot in, in his career, and he's on an expiring contract. He's not, not in the future plans of this team whatsoever. Chuck Fletcher did not trade James Van Riemsdyk ahead of the deadline. Didn't trade him for a bag of pucks. Didn't trade him for a new set of sticks for Provy or for anybody. Uh, he just sat on his hands, waited too long, and got nothing. And, you know, people will say there was no market for JVR. You know, he's not the player he once was. And, and there is there is some truth to that. Like, JVR is a guy, doesn't kill penalties. He, he plays power play, net front. You know, he's not fast. He's not a game breaker. He's your ninth forward. He's on your third line, and he plays some power play, and he's he, he can put the puck in the net, you know, when surrounded with talent. Um. But if you're Chuck Fletcher, I mean, you knew coming into this year the team was going to blow. You had no coots. You had no Cam Atkinson out for the year. Ellis, you know, you made the big trade, and and he's played four games in two years as a flyer. So you knew, you knew this season was a wash. And you mean to tell me that, that you couldn't trade this guy in, in January or February? Um you waited till the very bitter end and and a deal with Detroit falls through and and you get nothing. I mean, it's not even about like getting something of, of total value back for the guy. It's just addressing the issue that he's not coming back. He's not part of the future and dump him for whatever you can get because his team's going nowhere fast. So it's just, it's just a total failure all around. And like people, you know, the, some of the flyers people, like I'm a flyers honk. But like I know they blow, I know they got they got a ways to go ahead of them to get to get something right and, and put a decent product back on the ice. And like with Torts, like Torts, what say what you want about him and, and people don't like him, but like he's gotten a pretty shitty roster to play like a respectable hockey game this year. But like, um, where am I going here? Like the Flyers people will tell you like. Uh, they're going to wait till the summer, you know, so they can maximize value. They're going to wait till the summer. Well, like, look at a team. If you're not a hockey hockey honk like me, the St. Louis Blues won the Stanley Cup like four years ago, and and they just traded Ryan O'Reilly and Tarasenko, two key cogs on that team, at this deadline. You know, did they wait for the summer? 
like they're not waiting for the summer to make moves and, and retool and rebuild and, and reshape the roster. Like, but these Flyers people will tell you, uh, they'll get they'll get more value in the summer. So it's it's just a total joke all around. I mean, I know the Flyers fan base is very fed up. You had the guy with the bag over his head and the sell the team sign. Like, shout out to that guy. But there's still a contingent of people out there that, that think, you know, they, they, they know the trade world and the hockey world and you get more value in the summer. I mean, what has Chuck Fletcher done in any of these summers to make you think that, that he's going to get it done? And, like, I know the Flyers fans, this is the last thing I'll say. I know the Flyers fans, like, will bitch at whatever is done or not done. And, like, I give Fletcher credit for not throwing a bag at Johnny Gaudreau last summer. You know, the hometown boy, let's bring him home, get him back with Hazy. I mean, this team would still blow. He went to, to Columbus, got 10 mil a year, and they still blow. That wasn't going to fix anything. The, the, what the Flyers need to do is ride out the, the long terms that they've signed, you know, sign young guys to short deals, see who can play, who could stick for the future, and just and just ride with that. Stop giving out long-term deals. Yeah, because, but didn't we – the issue I have with that, that what you just said, didn't they just try that like five years ago? And then, like, what, two years ago, they go out and sign Kevin Hayes, who I think stinks. They threw a bag at that guy. I think he stinks. Yeah, I mean, it worked out for for one year, right? The COVID year, they, they, they were good. And then it all fell apart. And, like, Chuck's just been trying to, to put Band-Aids on everything, and it's it's turned into a total failure. I mean, Sean Couturier has had two back surgeries. That guy just got like an eight-year, $60 million deal. He's got seven years left on that. Travis Sanheim just got an eight-year deal worth like 50 mil. He would have been a good trade trade chip. Hang Somebody would have given Sanheim a lot for him. Makes, Travis Sanheim makes $50 million. His total contract, close to that, yeah. But they signed him to that before this season. Like if they would have just let it ride, and then, oh, this year's a dumpster fire, and this guy isn't a torts guy. Somebody would have paid a lot for Travis Sanheim, but not not with the contract attached to him now. I so, think, I think you're unfairly treating a little Chucky Fletcher because, you know, while you want to give away JVR for, a, you know, a box of donuts or a bag of sticks – what you're what you're discounting in this organization is we have a proud history of Flyers hockey and uh, James Van Riemsdyk. He knows what we do, and he's a veteran leader in our locker room with our guys. And we're not going to give him away because this team has to learn how to play. This team has to learn how to win. Well, you know how you learn how to win. You learn how to play. You play the best fucking players. Yeah, I'm tired of hearing that too. Like, oh. You know, the Flyers have this rich tradition and the, the Broad Street Bullies. They haven't won anything in, in almost 50 years. So what is rich about that tradition? And and how, how is it Paul Holmgren and Bobby Clark and Bill Barber, all, all these old guys that are still really running the show, you know, the, like those are the guys pulling the strings because they, they were part of the cup team 50 years ago. Like, you know, you're going to have kids and that kid's going to have kids and Paul Homer's grandkid is, is going to, you know, be at the top of the Flyers because his grandfather won the Stanley Cup 125 years ago. Like that, that's how it works at the Flyers. It would be like asking Chuck Bednarik to like engineer an Eagles Super Bowl roster. Like it's just never going to happen. I'm sorry. Yeah. My only hope is like 
Chuck gets canned. Danny Briere can can have a Chris Drury like effect. Chris Drury's the GM for the Rangers. He's turned that that team around. You know they're they're buying Patrick Kane and Tarasenko at the deadline here, gearing up for a playoff run. He turned them around pretty fast. So maybe maybe young Danny B can can come in the clutch like he did as a player. You regret getting rid of Ron? No, nah, because he's he's burying the Penguins. Like all the Penguins fans are outraged at what he's doing to the Penguins. It's I don't know how that guy got another job as a GM, but he did, and all the Penguins fans are pissed. And that that you want to talk about a franchise that has tradition and, and history and a tradition of winning, that's the Pittsburgh Penguins. And Ron Hextall is their GM, and, and those people are not happy. Those fans are very unhappy with having Ron Hextall. But, yeah, it's it's bad news. I mean, Frank Saravalli, uh, he was a local Philly reporter. And now he's a national guy, daily faceoff. He he said Fletcher had like a, a, a second and third round pick, two pick price tag on Van Riemsdyk for like weeks and never shifted, never adjusted, and then never got a deal. Like the guy just, it doesn't seem like he can negotiate. He's got no respect in the market with other GMs. It's, it's a total disgrace, man. It's all bad. So that's, if you're, uh, you're going to give up picks, and I, I look, I'm not a hockey trade expert, but. Picks are a lot like options, right? Like like options to buy stock. So you have an underlying option, and there's an inherent value based off whether or not it's in the money. But also, some of that value is tied to time. So here you have an asset that, as you move towards the trade deadline, becomes less and less valuable. And you're not adjusting your ask. Your, your ask in January may have been a couple picks, but as, as that other team that you're selling him to gets less and less utility out of that guy because he's playing on your team for fewer games, your ass can't be what it was in January. I mean, this is basic stuff. Yep. And and, and other teams are, are getting players from other teams. Like, tra- trades are happening weeks before the deadline. So it's not like JVR was the prized possession of the deadline. He was just the best thing that the Flyers happened to have. So... You know, he wasn't the most sought after thing, and, and teams are filling needs and, and spending money elsewhere. And then you get to Friday at 2 30, 30 minutes before the deadline, and Chuck Fletcher's got his piece in his hand. It's a disgrace. So that's our, uh, you know, that's our yearly Flyers check in. Uh, ho- hopefully, we did all right. You know, I, I know not everybody out there loves the Flyers or, or hockey as much as me, but try, try to give a, uh, quick bird's eye view of what, what you need to know about this team uh, as it continues to, to sludge along the road of mediocrity. Um, let's wrap it up this week, Bomb. We got the Players' Championship this weekend. Some consider it to be the fifth major or maybe the biggest tournament that's not a major. Uh, I'm certainly a fan. TPC Sawgrass, the 17th Island Green. Last year kind of sucked because the weather was crazy. You know, for most of that weekend, and, and maybe it didn't suck. Maybe you like to see the pros miss that green, but tough weather down there last year. I think Cam Smith ended up winning. Uh, he will not be there to defend as he's on live golf. Um, but do you have a selection or, or a play that you like for the players this weekend? Yeah, I'm going with Maddie Fitz, man. Matt Fitzpatrick. Um, I have no inside intelligence. I have no, you know, kind of analysis for why I'm going with the guy. I just I just look at the board, I look at the odds and I go, you know what? Let's take a flyer on Fitz. 
it's all you can do with golf. It's all you can really do with golf. I think he was. Uh, I think he helped his his personal stock, personal brand in, in the full swing there. Like I feel like a lot of people didn't know a lot about him. It just seems like a regular dude, and it was it was pretty cool when he had the lead there. Um, what was it the U.S. Open and. He's in the locker room, you know, putting his belt on and watching the TV of, of people teeing off before him and seeing his name at the top of the leaderboard on Sunday. Like, that's got to be just a little bit nerve-wracking. But I'm going uh, – I got to give a shout-out. Fellow on, on Twitter, Billy Switchblade. Uh, he throws out a couple golf outrights from time to time. Uh, he'll give you maybe three or four a week uh, on these PGA events. And he hits a number of them. And – this week, uh, I'm going to ride with him on Tom Kim uh, in the plus 4,000, plus 4,500 range. Tom Kim been playing some some solid golf uh, this year on the tour. So we're, we're, we're going to ride with, with Billy. So shout out Billy Switchblade. We'll go with Tom Kim and, and see what transpires at, at Sawgrass this weekend. Any other uh, nuggets, loose ends, thoughts? Comments for for the peanut gallery uh, on the airwaves bomb. Not this week, G. That's it, Mister Bomb. He's married. He's off to the races. God bless. Congratulations. Thursday night, Penn State, the Big Ten tournament. We got the Players Championship. We we'll thank everybody for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.